Praise the Lord. That's what we're here for. Not, not just in this building, but we're here to give our lives completely, totally to the purpose of God. I trust every one of you have done that already. If you have, then there's no reason why that the Lord God cannot be able to take your life, my life, use it in ultimate service to be able to fulfill His purpose of what He thought of you. More than likely, I'll never become or be what I think I should be. I probably won't be what some of you think I should be. But if I can be what He thought of me, that's what I want. No doubt, I'll, I'm, I'm my greatest critic, my worst critic. I never preach a good sermon, never sing a good song, never give good counsel. I don't really know too much good stuff. I do good. But you know what? If I can please Him, and I can hear these words that day, well done, my good and faithful servant. That'll mean more to me than all the claims of people, all the credits people would give me. I want to hear that more than anything else. Anybody else here with me tonight? God bless you. Let's turn, if you would, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25. <clears throat> so appreciate the word of the Lord. Appreciate the presence of the Lord, each one of you that are here tonight. <clears throat> you pull on the gift of God, and I believe the Lord will speak to us from His Word. Now listen carefully at the um, master builder. Now this is not me calling him that, but this is what Paul called himself. He called himself a master builder. Well, I can build a little bit. Maybe some of you brothers can build a little bit and tinker a little bit. There's some brothers here in our church probably would be identified as master builders. I'm not going to do a whole lot in front of them guys because they can do it so good. So they say, I'm kind of like Brother Brown was, as far as, are you a writer? No, sir. Remember when he was sitting on the corral out there in Arizona and them guys was coming through there and that horse come through and done a fish spin and throw them guys off and the man said, I'll pay anybody $100 to stay on him for so long. He said, are you a writer? He said, no, sir. <laughs> now he had on the chaps and the boots and the Western shirt and the Levi's, but he realized right quick he wasn't a writer. So this man is a master builder. So I believe this man knew how to build a church. I believe he knew. So then every other builder down through time, preacher I'm talking about, should want to follow the instructions of this man, right? Because this is the master builder and God called him to be this, in this position. Now, we read last week about us finding our position. We start on verse 25 here. Listen, we'll pick up with this tonight. That there should be no schism in the body. Now, look at this word, what it means. Division, rent, metaphorically, it's a division or a dissension. Now, I want you to notice this book, the title of it. It's Corinthians. Well, them folks had major problems. They were, many of them were Greeks. A lot of the Corinthian church was Greeks. Part of the Jews that were in the Corinthian church were Hellenistic Greek Jews. So they were quite a mixture, I'm telling you what. 
Now notice what he writes to them and says that there should be no more schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care. Wow. Well, where does our cliques come in then? Where does our clans and all that sort of thing come in this scripture? Well, I guess I might as well just dismiss. I've done killed it now, ain't I? This is the master builder now. But that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored. Now, friends, we're not talking about church members here, people that just belong to church. This is actually written to the body of Christ. Now, this happens in the real body. That's right. Now, whenever one member then in the body will hurt, other members of the body will hurt with it. That's one test of being in the, uh, that you are a member of the body. But here's another test. Whenever a member is honored, that you rejoice because they are. Instead of getting mad or getting jealous and saying, well, that should have happened to me. Of all people. Well, this is what the master builder said now. Let's read it again. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So one member is honored, and then the other members are not jealous and pooch their lip out and pout over it, but they're able to rejoice. Now notice verse 27. Now, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So are we all clones? Are we all supposed to be exactly like and comb our hair on the same side of our head and all that sort of thing? No, he clarifies that in verse 27, that we are members of the body of Christ, but we are individuals and we are particularly placed by the Spirit of God. What a great people we would be tonight if each of us had this understanding and we would find that and remain there for the rest of our journey. Amen. Y'all dismissed. Hey, I'll tell you one thing. If we all got that tonight, we could say we was blessed to be in the house of God. But maybe we should pray. I think we got some more stuff to look at. How many would like to be remembered tonight? God bless each of you. Heavenly Father, it's such a privilege for us to be gathered together in this place once again, Lord. We count it a great honor, Lord Jesus, to be a part of your great body. We know that they are made of different races, different cultures, different backgrounds, different ethnicities that come from different nations around the world. Many of them don't even speak the same language, but yet they have many common things. There is a realm of commonality shared among the body of God that's unlike any other body that's ever been. They have one Father. That Father became their Redeemer. They have one Deliverer. 
They have one goal, one motive, one purpose in the life that is ultimate over everything else. That is to please that Father. Lord Jesus, we ask you tonight that you would help each of us as we look into the mirror of the Word. May we not see who we think we are. May we not see who we wish we are. But may we see who we currently are tonight. And then be able to match that with who we want to be. And let them two images merge together as we grow day by day and we learn and we lay aside things that hinder us. Speak to us tonight from your word, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. By the very fact of being of the body lets us know that every member is absolutely necessary and essential to the body itself. Actually, every member inputs something that the other one cannot, being a part of that body. Now, here Paul is not just addressing the local church at Corinth, but he's addressing the mystical body of Christ. So when he wrote this, he knew that it would be read in Ephesus, Thessalonica. He knew it would be read, no doubt, by many Gentiles, many Jews, Hellenistic Jews, people of all different types of backgrounds. And he knew that all of them would never come to Corinth. So it's impossible for him to just be speaking about this church at Corinth. But he's addressing taking a church problem and addressing the mystical body, which much of the New Testament churches was written about that. So he would praise their strengths. He would acknowledge the good things God had done for them. And then he would show them their faults and their shortcomings. And he would use that as an opportunity. Now remember, this is not just some fly by night preacher. This is not a guy that preached once a month. This is not a guy that preached a half a dozen times a year and thought he was a know-it-all, but this was a master builder. So he's not just building a church in Corinth, another in Ephesus, one in Colossae, one in Thessalonica, but he knows that God is using his words to build something that will go down through the ages. Initially, when Paul first started preaching this, it was like he, like the other apostles, had the perception that Jesus would come at any time. But you watch him as he went on and the years began to build up. He realized that the coming of the Lord was going to be some time away. So they were not just preaching for the present tense, but laying out the building blocks for the future spiritual anatomy of the body of God. So all of those contribute to the destiny of the whole body. I love the way the prophet explains this, and he can do it like no other can, and things that are to be. When he said, but let me just make this not as an additive, but to bring a point. In my father's house is many kinds of mansions. Now he's quoting St. John 14. And he said, I don't believe that when we get to heaven that we will be just everybody look exactly alike. I don't believe that we'll all be blondes or brunettes or little or big or all giants. I believe that God 
is a God of variety. I mean, say amen to that tonight. And the world proves that. So he's got big mountains, little mountains. He's got plains. He's got, notice what God does. So he's got big mountains, little mountains. He's got hills. He's got plains. Some people live out there in plains and they just love it. They can stand there and look across some grassy fields and they absolutely love it. Well, you know, to me, I like visiting it, but I like these mountains. I was down there in South Carolina the other day and I told Carol, I feel like I'm back in the land of Egypt. All them swamps, all them skeeters, all them gnats, all this and that and the other, they can have her, brother. God planted my feet on the mountaintop. Yeah, yes, sir. I'm not against some South Carolinian people. They can have it. If that's home to them, so be it. But I'm glad God placed me here. But aren't you glad, though, that God made place in a variety? Well, if he would do that in the creation of the earth and the universe, then why would we stumble over the very fact that he does it inside of his body as well? Now, he said he made the season, summer, winter, spring, autumn. He shows that he's a God of variety. He made you in a variety. Now, notice how some of his people are. Some men are real blusterous. Some are real dogmatic. Others are fine. Wow. So some are blusterous. Some are dogmatic, and of course, all of us think we're the fine ones. Now, we think he was speaking about some of them other people, right, that we don't like? Uh, probably wasn't. There's probably some here tonight that he was talking about too. So he said, some men are real blusterous, some are real dogmatic, others are fine, others are kind, and you just find all different kinds of people in his kingdom. Oh, my goodness. So in the kingdom of God are different types of people. So they're not actually, you know, some of these people, well, some of them definitely make believers. Only the fine people are believers. No, actually, you'll find out there'll be some real believers that'll get there that day, and they fit in this blusterous category till maybe three days before the rapture, and they finally got it all together. God's going to get his people. Now notice he says, I love the way he brings this variety because what he's going to do is display the variety in the ministry and in the body. Look at St. Peter and judge him by Andrew. Look at St. Peter and judge him by Andrew. Now let's be honest tonight. This is the way a lot of us judge other people. We judge them by people. Well, people are not necessarily the judge. The word is the judge. And many times we judge them by us. Well, I'm this way and that way and I don't worship this way and I don't sing this way and I don't get all excited when I go to church, but your little grand young ought to get out there and kick that little old ball about four feet and you scream and holler like it was an NFL touchdown. You scream and carry on like, I mean, it was the disgraced professional thing. And you come to church and you sit there like a bump on a pickle. Come on, pickle, wake up. I ain't against you shouting at a ball game, but if you'd shout at a ball game and you don't ever give Jesus a good little shout, I question whether or not you love him right. Well, come on now. So you look at St. Peter and judge him by Andrew. Andrew is that prayer warrior just stayed on his knees all the time. And the apostle Peter was one of those firebrands and so forth. And Paul was more scholarly like, like the prophet or something that would set back. Now you look at it then. Now all of these men, of course, were preachers. 
So Andrew was the prayer warrior. Now he really didn't define how Andrew preached, but he said then that Peter was more like a firebrand. So now that Peter would get up there and preach, maybe like Brother Darrell or maybe Brother Wayne Lawson. I mean, just preach and spit and I glory to God, hallelujah. And Peter just stand up there and just preach like a firebrand. And Andrew is back there praying for him. Andrew didn't hate many, maybe a whole lot. Andrew was saying, bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Bless my brother, Lord. Bless my brother, Lord. Paul would sit there scholarly. Hmm. Wow, never thought of that before, Brother Brother Peter. That was a good thought. Maybe Paul would get up to preach. Paul might not have moved behind the pulpit. (laughs) Some of you folks that had the office time, but Paul never was. You wouldn't thought he was anointed. Because you think of preachers anointed by how many tips, steps he takes away from the pulpit. Anointing is not movement. Anointing is not even jumping. Anointing is not even screaming. It's supreme power giving you control to where the presence of God can help channel you to be able to speak divine words that only comes from his lips and his counsel. So it can come from men that are scholarly as they can be, and they can be just as anointed as the man that runs and screams to the top of his voice. And somebody said, that's right. Now watch, and so Paul would have been more scholarly like, and Peter would have been the firebrand type, and Andrew would have been another type. Now you wonder how many diversities of gifts that there was in this apostolic church. Now remember the Lord Jesus did not give these instructions to men, and they would lay out all the plan, and they would design it, but in Matthew 16, 18, these are the words of the Lord Jesus, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, the Greek word there is Petra, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Now the Lord Jesus is the one that's gonna build this church, but he is going to build it in offices that he chooses to build it by. But he himself will be the chief cornerstone. Now what's amazing is that the apostles and the prophets will be the foundation work. And Jesus will allow himself to be laid upon the foundation work of the apostles and the prophets, and he will be the chief cornerstone. Now what's amazing is that he would allow himself to be built upon that stone. You mean he would trust them? Yes, because he had given it to them in such a way he knew they would say exactly what he wanted them to say. So Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 1 Corinthians 3, 17. Now let's read a little bit about us tonight. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now you imagine some of these Hellenistic Jews that lived in Corinth and when they heard these scriptures, they had a hard time swallowing that, that human beings actually had taken the place of the temple. Now remember the temple was still standing in Jerusalem at this time. This is written around 67 AD. So the temple isn't gonna be destroyed for another three or four years. So some of them would still go there because part of them still leaned toward the law. So they would still go there and they would have this holy reverence for the house that they call the house of God. And here Paul is saying that the temple now is human beings. Can you imagine how unusual that would have seemed to those people? But I believe there was people there that believed that and said, Notice now he said, for ye are the temple of God. 
which temple ye are. So now the transfer has been made that the house of God is no longer in Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. Can you imagine God wanting to dwell in us and God wanting to walk? God wanting to walk in us. He wants to walk his walk in our lives. He wants to talk his word out of our lips. He wants to think his thoughts through our minds. Speak his word out of our mouth. Walk his walk with our feet. Oh, praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. Now, a foreigner, the word here was actually a cross between a Jew and a Gentile. So Paul brings the categories pretty clear that you are no more strangers, which was totally Gentiles, and you are not foreigners, which is half Jew and half Gentiles, but fellow citizens with the saints. Look at the word fellow citizen. Possessing the same citizenship with others. A fellow citizen of a people consecrated to God. So your citizenship, he said, at one time you could not say that you were citizens to the economy of God, but now you are. With the saints, notice these other words, and of the household of God. Now this is a large family. It includes the whole family in heaven and in earth. You see, just because our brothers and sisters have gone on, and they're living now in that sixth dimension, does not mean they are apart from this family. This family is so big, it contains millions of people. It contains people that have lived down through the ages, some in the Old Testament, some in the New, some of them 2,000 years ago, some 1,500 years ago, 500 years ago. It is a family that is so expansive. It has covered the entire universe. This whole family is the family that you and I belong to tonight. The whole family in heaven and in earth is called by that name, the name of the Lord Jesus. So in this family is saints that are old, saints that are young, fathers, mothers, children, all different ages, all different categories, makes up this family of God. Praise the Lord. So the Gentiles were no longer on the outside, but they were now included on the inside with the Jewish family, merged into one body. Of course, they were initially Gentile and Jew. In the cross, they become merged together, whether no longer Jew or Gentile, but in the body of Christ. So now it was like in the Old Testament that they actually built a Jewish outer court, or Gentile court rather, and the Jews could go up closer, but the Gentiles were forbidden to. They had to stay on the outside. They were alienated from the presence of God. They couldn't even have a sacrifice offered for their sins. They did not have any atonement, Yom Kippur, none of the feasts and festivals they were identified with. Even it was so strict that if a priest 
had a friend of his to come and visit with his family. The priest's food was supplied in the Levitical order by the sacrifices of the people. So whenever this priest would have guests or friends or family that was not close enough to be identified as a Levite, they could not eat of the holy bread. Now this is where we were and this is where Paul is making the reference. Notice this in Leviticus 22.10. There shall no stranger eat of the holy thing. So you go in to see the priest and maybe you conducted business with him. You've been around his family, but yet you were not identified in the Levitical order. Even if you were from the tribe of Simeon or from the tribe of Issachar or from the tribe of Judah and you were there at lunchtime, you could not eat of the holy bread because you were not of that right tribe. Well, can't you understand the difference between the bride and the church? You see, what we feed upon is not the everyday bread, but it's manna which came down from heaven. It is the holy thing which has been kept in the Shekinah presence of God only for the priesthood. What priesthood are we talking about? The Aaronic priesthood, now the Levitical priesthood? No, the priesthood of Melchizedek when the Lord Jesus started the new order. You see, the Lord Jesus did not come in the Aaronic order of the priesthood or the Levitical order of the priesthood, but he said, thou hast said forever, thou art a priest after the order of Melchizedek because Jesus was not of the tribe of Levi, but rather of the tribe of Judah. Under the order of Melchizedek, we offer spiritual sacrifices. We don't bring a lamb. We don't bring a dove, a a turtle dove, or a pigeon. We do not bring the natural bullock of a ram. We don't bring our offering and wave it before the Lord. But instead of waving a a, a sheaf or a, a wave offering of something like that, this is what we wave. We wave our hands in the presence of God. And we say, well, Lord, we love you. Now you see, in the Old Testament, they worshiped a complete different way. But we worship under the order of Melchizedek. Under that order, we can sing, we can pray, we can shout, we can bless the name of the Lord. Well, we're somebody to preach with me tonight. We don't have to have no literal blood that goes before us. And a woman can come into the presence of God the same as a man can. Oh my goodness, a young girl which had never went to rabbinical school, a young man which had never graduated from rabbinical priesthood is allowed to come into the presence of God the same way as a preacher can and can be just as close to God as anybody else. A black, a white, a red, a yellow, makes no difference to God. Under the order of Melchizedek, the authenticity rolls fade away. Under the order of Melchizedek, the racial barriers fall away. I wish somebody would hear me tonight. I'm so glad we're under the order of Melchizedek. Now notice then, if you were a stranger and you come in, then the stranger could not eat of the holy thing, a sojourner of the priest or a hired servant. Now a hired servant that would have been there in the household of the priest, when they would delve out their bread, they could not give them the holy bread. Now this is what we were as Gentiles, but by the merging of the Jew and the Gentile under the power of the cross, the Lord Jesus hands a Jew, Simon Peter, a loaf of the bread under the Melchizedek order, and he hands Donnie, a Gentile, a loaf under the Melchizedek order too. And mine ain't got worms in it, mine ain't got maggots in it, and mine's got less nutrition than Peter's. I hope you understand. We're eating of the same bread that our first century Jewish brothers ate in this day. 
It ain't watered down. It ain't weaker. As a matter of fact, it's been restored back to the original loaf. How can that be possible? Under the order of Melchizedek, a Jew and a Gentile stands evenly and they stand right there at the foot of the cross. And somebody said, all right, now he says that we are of the household of God, but also members of that household. The church is one family. They have one line. Now, I'm not talking about church membership now. I'm talking about those that are born in the spirit of God. So they have one life. They have one order in this home, this household, which is the order of God. God has no room. Well, for your opinion, my opinion, this one opinion, no. The father of the home sets, uh, sets the pace. Now, as I talk to young couples when they're going to get married, and I'll go down this avenue right here, and I'll say, now, young man, you come from a certain normal in your home and y'all do things a certain way and you eat at a certain time and you eat certain foods and you all have certain mannerisms in your home. Now this young lady, she comes from a different normal. And whenever you all get married, don't think that what you're gonna have is all of your normal as the man or it's gonna be all of your normal, sis, as the woman. But you all will begin to create a new normal and it will be the merging together of him, merging together with yours, and your mama may come to your house and say, well, honey, that ain't the way that we do it at home. You was raised a little different. Well, mama, I married me a husband. And your husband may say, well, his mama may say, now, honey, that ain't the way that I raised you. Well, mama, I married myself a wife. So what are you doing? You're creating a new normal. In the Old Testament, the Gentiles had their normal and the Jews had theirs. Under the marriage together with Christ the Word, they merged together and he created, oh, I wish somebody would hear me. He created a new normal. Now you can see why the Jews so struggle with it and the Gentiles were much readily able to receive it, but because naturally we were on the outside so you're offering us this and the Jews are struggling when the first Gentiles got the Holy Ghost. They couldn't believe it. They could not believe that Gentile dogs got the same Holy Ghost they got. But they did. I said they did. Now, the, the body is a family. So as in an earthly family, there are certain tendencies and there are certain strains that run in the family. Well, it's the same way in the family of God that God births in each one of his family members a strain. That strain is the strain of election and predestination. Then they also have their human personality and they have their human identity and they have human failures and flaws. But the sovereignty of God, this is one thing I love about this family strain, that the sovereignty of God always reserves the right to be able to override anything he deems necessary and essential to keep that seed son or seed daughter of his from running their life. Now, he don't do that with everybody else, but he does with his own family. I'm so glad that law exists, don't you? So this household is bound together by divine love. They're bound together by divine attributes, which can only be inherited by a birth, and each one of them received the same birth. So it's not like Peter, James, and John got this real powerful birth, and now we're down here in 2023, and we just barely get a little bitty T90 birth, and we ain't got no power, we ain't got no love, we ain't got no mercy. We've just got enough religion. Boy, it just kind of leaves us miserable and leaves us sinners and all that sort of thing. No, if it don't do the same thing for me it done for Peter, I've got the wrong thing. If your new birth don't do the same thing for you that it done for Paul, you ain't got the new birth. Well, praise the Lord, there can only be one new birth. So they are bound together with one common love. 
And that one common love is not only a love to and for God, but it is a common love to and for one another. Well, praise the Lord. Oh, I love God. Yeah, John talked about those people that said they love God and yet they hated the brother. Now he said if a man hates his brother, there is no truth in him and the man is a liar. Well, praise the Lord. It ain't really hard to say you love a being you don't even know, really. You've never even met him. You've never even shook his hand or nothing like that. It's a little bit harder to love people who trespass against you. Well, amen, Brother Donnie. Don't notice with me now again in Ephesians 2.19. Therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So Christ is the firstborn in this house. Now listen, so God started this family and what it was going to be, it was going to be a repeat of what failed in the Garden of Eden. It was going to be the heavenly family merged in human bodies. So in order to bring it back the full course of redemption, the Lord God had to do this himself. He couldn't use Moses, he couldn't use Jeremiah. So God himself had to become one of us. And yet God is a spirit. So God had to take on humanity and become the firstborn of this new family, the order of Melchizedek. So God become the firstborn of this new family. So he birthed himself a body and called that body a son. So he was the firstborn. Now notice he's going to birth every other son and daughter exactly the same way. But in this now, he's going to have a divine protocol by which he will use certain outlets of his divine nature. So Christ will be the firstborn, but ministers will be the stewards. And here they are going to minister the word and they will carry the seed life. And as they go about and preach and share the word, they will, by the grace of God, be able to bring those to the Lord Jesus. Some will hear the word and become born again. Some will, they maybe have already met the Lord, but they will hear the word and they will grow. So in this, the stewards of the word will find Christians in various stages of growth. So they'll find some that's been saved for many, many years. They'll find others that's not so much. And they'll find each one and in their congregation that man has to follow the leading of the Lord. So there'll be times that he'll have to take a bottle and he'll have to put it in the mouth of those that are very, very young. And he'll have to give them milk. But if he feeds the whole congregation milk every time they eat, I'll tell you one thing, you're going to be starved to death after a while. I love milk. Well, not natural milk, but I mean the, the spiritual milk. I love it when it's needed. But myself, I'm a meat eater. Well, praise the Lord. I said, I'm a meat eater. Okay, I, I can listen to a milk preacher. I can, I can even go three or four services and listen to a milk preacher. But I'm sorry, I cannot sit under a milk preacher every time I go to church. I just can't do it. That's not who I am. That does not describe my maturity. Oh, you say, I can't. Well, I feel sorry for you. You better get with the program because there'll be no milk Christians in the rapture. There's only meat eaters that are eagles that have grown up and fly away. Well, praise the Lord. Now notice, so there will be various sizes of growth. There will be various sizes of understanding of their perception about God and his mercy. But God will see that all of them are taken care of and they will be to get to the proper provision of what they have need of. So they're heirs of grace, heirs of the mercy of God. And just because one person maybe understands more, it doesn't mean God loves them more. 
It's according to their growth and the way God's paced them in their walk with God. So those of you that are farther up maybe than others, be patient with them because you're not going in the rapture by yourself. If you're ahead of me tonight, pray for me because I am going with you. Well, praise the Lord. Now, Paul is, these terms are, are isolated really to Paul. Peter doesn't use these, neither does any of the rest of the writers. Paul also calls us not only the household of God, but of the household of faith. Notice Galatians 6.10. And we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Now this is pretty simple, pretty easy to understand. I don't think we ought to be mean to nobody. Brother Donnie, low down hypocrites and cigarette suckers and liars, be good to all men. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we are part of the household of God and we're part of the household of faith, which is the same house, but it just has a different attribute. So we are to help others, yes, but we are to put the household of faith first. Now, you know, it's amazing that a lot of people are so caught up in missions around the world and they want to help build other churches and help do this and that and the other, and they don't even take care of their own assembly, which is contrary to the scripture and contrary to the message, because the prophet tells us to take care of your own church first and then take care of others. Well, that is what he said. Now, I just want to condense a little something here for you, and if you want to study it, it'd be good for you. <clears throat> Notice there's 13 commandments that are given here from Galatians 5.25 to Galatians 6.10. And I'll go through it just kind of hurriedly in his spare time. Let us walk in the spirit. Here's the first one of those. That's Galatians 5.25. Number two, let us desire, let us not desire vain glory. Galatians 5.26. Let us not provoke one another, make one another angry. Say things to one another that if you know that kind of pushes that brother's buttons, don't do that. Don't do that. That's contrary to the scripture. When we know that we're aggravating and making someone angry, the Bible gives you a commandment not to do such. Amen. I'm gonna have to make that amen tape sure as well. Let us not provoke one another. Let us not envy one another. Verse 26 again. And restore a falling or a sinning brother. Galatians 6.1. Consider not, notice now, don't consider yourself not above falling, Galatians 6.1. Don't look at yourself as being so strong and so great. Boy, the devil will never get me. He's already got a part of you right there, but you having confidence in yourself because that's what Peter said about himself and we know where he wound up. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2. Test your own work that you're doing for the Lord, Galatians 6, 4. Bear your own responsibility, verse five. Support the ministry. Woo, boy, that knocked a lot of the message, folks, out. Verse six, I ain't talking about your money. I'm talking about prayer, standing with them, all that sort of thing. Be not deceived, verse seven. So you mean children of God can be deceived, yes. You know who your greatest deceiver is? Yourself. Oh my goodness. Be not deceived, verse seven. Be not weary 
and well-doing, verse 9. Do good to all people, verse 10. So the church then is given these commandments by which God can walk in their tabernacle. Oh, Brother Donnie, I want to do the works of Jesus. Now, what do you think when a preacher says that? Laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, picking up the phone, praying for somebody, and a miracle transpiring. Is that what we see? That's not the only works of God. There will be people that will stand before the Lord Jesus at the white throne judgment and say, I cast out devils in your name. I heal the sick in your name. I did many signs and wonders in your name. And the Lord Jesus will not look at them and say, you're a liar, you never done it. But the Lord Jesus will look at them and say, depart from me, I never knew you. You're workers of iniquity. Now he didn't say they didn't do great signs and wonders. There's all kinds of folks that can do signs and wonders that can't live right. I used to despise my years I spent in Pentecost. I used to wonder why God even let me go through that. But as I've come into the message many years ago and look back now, I realize God wanted me to be exposed to a lot of this stuff that I saw in Pentecost so when it come into the message, I'd be able to recognize it. You see, a lot of the folks in the message never was in Pentecost. So Laodicea, Pentecost can creep right into the message and they don't even recognize it. Well, and the church said. So Paul calls us not only the household of God or the household of faith, but he calls us the house of God. Watch, 1 Timothy 3.15. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, Now, believe it or not, he ain't talking about this church. Some of you brothers would never wear a hat in this place. You'd never bring a cup of coffee in here and sit down and drink it. You'd never bring a box of crackers or Cheerios or whatever. You'd never bring your favorite drink and set it down right there by you. Oh, I'd I'd, I'd never do that. But what about when you trespass against the body? The house of God. What about when we do things that hinder the house of God? Not this. We're scared to death. God would strike us dead. And yet we'll do things against the body weekly. Why? Because we don't recognize where the house of God is. Notice now how Paul says it's absolutely astounding. He said to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Then he goes a step further and says, the pillar and ground of the truth. Oh, wait a minute. I thought the truth was the pillar. I thought the pillar was the truth, the ground and the pillar. And what held this whole thing up was the truth. In one way it is. And in one way it isn't. Paul says the support of the truth is the church, the groundwork. What keeps the truth alive? Shut up every preacher around the world and see what happens to the truth. Shut up every witness filled with the Holy Ghost and see what happens to the truth. See if your Bible will sprout legs and sprout a mouth 
and start walking around and introducing itself to everybody. The truth will die and not propagate. The truth will never exist another generation if the true pillar of God does not propagate the truth, which is the church. That's why the devil wants to shut our mouths. But let me just tell him tonight, he ain't shutting us up. Well, praise the Lord. So the church is the house of God. It's the church of the living God. And it is the pillar, the pillar and ground of the truth. So look at this. What are these columns? They're not here just for looks. They support this weight upon top. You take the pillars, the columns, out from under this pulpit, what's gonna happen? It's gonna fall, it's beautiful, is it not? Brother John did a beautiful job designing it, building it. Brother Down, Brother Dan did a beautiful job painting it and finishing it. But we take the support out from under it. It will turn into a beautiful rubbish heap. The wood will still be beautiful. It'll still have its shine. But will it be able to support me beating it? What supports the beating I give it? And every other preacher that stands up here, it's the columns, it's the pillars, it's the foundation, and it's all tied together. Take the ministry out of this message, and this message will die. Take the ministry out of your lives, and you will die. That's why Satan hates the ministry and this message more than he's ever hated it. But let him hate all he wants to, he'll never stop because Jesus said so. Notice in 1 Peter, now Peter catches this same thought, and he said, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Now you see, this is why people don't understand why when the preacher will preach something, they, they feel kind of condemned and they feel bad. And you know, it just really strikes so hard. Well, of course, that's where the judgment begins at the house of God, right here. Aren't you glad you still get convicted when you do something wrong? Do you realize our world is filled with reprobate people? They can lie, they can cheat, they can steal, they can murder babies, they can do all these things around the world, and yet they feel no bad feeling at all. Why? Their conscience is seared over with a hot iron. I saw a car the other day that had several bumper stickers on the back of it. It just so happened I was behind that car, and it said, Stand up for babies, not for gun rights. And then it had another sticker on, on, on the bottom of that said, I support abortion. I thought you are nuts. You're out of your mind. So support children after they leave the womb. Well, I know you don't like that, some of you, but it's the truth anyhow. Why? Because our world has gone insane. Why? The support has been taken out of the pulpit. And preachers are scared to death to tell the truth because they're afraid they'll get voted out. I'll tell you one thing. If you want to vote me out, you can do it. That's what you want to do. It's up to you. But I'm going to tell you the truth as long as I've got intelligence enough and breath to be able to say it. I'm not going to stand before God and God look at me with angry eyes and say, Donnie, you're going to hell. (laughs) 
Praise the Lord. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Notice Peter had the same idea here that Paul did. And if it began at us, whoa. So Peter said it's going to begin at the house of God. Then he said if it began at us, which you all are the house of God. If it began at us, what shall the end be? of them that obey not the gospel of God. If God tans us when we do something wrong and God swats us, oh, I know some of you, the way you raised your kids, I'm counting to 37, Junior, and if you don't do it, I'll tell you one thing, I'm one. I'm gonna give you enough grace now between one and two. It ain't no wonder Junior turned out to be a beatnik It ain't no wonder Junior don't want to come to church because you've convinced him that's the way God is. Well, come on, somebody. I'll tell you one thing. It would have took our belt off and strapped little Junior a little bit more where he sits down. Junior been a mighty little bit more respectful about the house of God and the word of God and preachers and mama and daddy and learn the words, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and no, ma'am. And the Bible prophesies in the last day that parents will be led by their children. Not in my house, and not in this house as long as I'm the parent. Dear Jesus, help me, Lord. Ephesians 2.20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now notice how Paul writes this, the master builder again. The foundation being the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So the foundations of the prophecies of the Old Testament and the New and the apostolic doctrine and the Lord Jesus lays himself right down on the top of that foundation. Can't you see why the apostles' names are written in the foundations of the new city? I realize some of the message folks think that the apostles ain't even important no more. You need to reread your Bible you'll find out they have to have great importance even in eternity. Is that right? It ain't going to be Brother Ram's name that's going to be written. Now, come on, I don't want to make you mad. Let's just read your Bible. It's not going to be my name. It's not going to be Brother Tim Pruitt's name, some of your favorite preacher. It's going to be the names of them apostles that's going to be written in the city. They must still have great importance in the eyes of God. Well, if they have importance from to there, should not they have importance now? And we teach their doctrine and their apostles will show me where one of them ever baptized anybody in the titles of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Show me where one of them ever said, come up and shake a preacher's hand. It's all you gotta do. But what did they preach? Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive a new church membership, a new charter. You'll get your name on the book. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's apostolic doctrine. The Lord Jesus loved it so much, he just went. 
laid himself right on that foundation. Now he said, all right, master builder, lay the next piece. So if the foundation is stone and the first building block is stone, well, you rest the rest of the blocks are going to be. Wood, hay, pretty flowers, stubble. It's a stone building. So guess what you are? A stone laid next to the next stone and the next stone and the next stone. Well, sit there and look at me. If you want to, I'll read it to you in a minute. The materials composing the foundation of this church are of living stones. The apostles and prophets, teachers in the apostolic time that laid the first course on the foundation. So the church was able to recognize and have confidence that this was the way God started. Brother Henry Green used to say that God started his church the way he wanted it and he'll end it the way he started it. God don't have to do in the middle like us. Whenever we say, hey, oh, oh, wait a minute, I don't like that wall there. I'm gonna change this wall over here. So years ago, Brother Lanyon built a house for us and we got the plans and all that. Well, whenever we got it, Carol decided she didn't want this wall here, she didn't want this, she wanted to move this, do this, do that, the other. I told him, I said, the only reason I got them plans was to give her something to go by. So that way she can move this wall, she can jack this up, she can roll this down, she can do this, that, and the other. And that's the way the people have done the church. Well, I don't like preacher telling me how to live. I don't like somebody telling me what to, well, we'll start us another church. And then they don't like that, well, we'll start us another. That's why right now we've got over 33,000 denominations. That's how much it's grown since the prophet was here, 33,000 and count. I don't know how many we got around the message, but I know one thing, we got a bunch of them because if you don't like what they want, keep on looking, you'll find your preacher that'll preach what you want. It's about like a restaurant. Well, I don't care for sushi. I don't care for Japanese food. I don't care for Chinese. Well, keep on hunting. You'll find you one somewhere that'll serve you a big flat omelet and a big yellow egg running out the side of it. Lord have mercy. And yet you'll find what you want. That's the way it is with churches. That's the way it is with preachers. But I'll tell you one thing. I want a man of God that'll tell me the truth. If he burns my hide, whatever it's gotta do, get me through them gates, brother. First Corinthians chapter three, verse four. For while one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers, now this is the way the apostles believed you got saved. But ministers by whom ye believed. Stewards of the mysteries of God. Ministers by whom you believed. Even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You see, what we're seeing here in the church at Corinth is the Greek T 
tendency of sectarianism to have sex, S-E-C-T-S, and clans and little groups. They did this in their divinities. They had favorite gods that they liked and then other gods that they really didn't like. (laughs) Yeah, they had factions. And when they got saved, here they come into the new message under the Melchizedek order, and now they brought their Greek ways. When I began to study this, I I, I guess I, I just apparently hadn't realized how many Greeks we had in the message. But I realized there's a lot of them, Brother Dow. There's a lot of Greeks. I think there's probably a few here in our church. But I realized that there was a bunch of Greeks <laughs> that they, they got this faction on. I'm a brother so-and-so. And I'm a brother so-and-so. And I'll tell you one thing. I'm a brother so-and-so. And Paul said, when you say that, you are carnal. But they thought they were spiritual. Well, but you see, you're not the master builder. Uh, You good little darlings, I love y'all so much, I'm gonna wire your hide out, but I'm gonna get you to the gates if you'll let me. Now, the Corinthian church had taken the two heads in the way they looked at it. The two heads of this move was run by Paul and Apollos. Now, friends, can't you see what Satan had done? Demons, demons had moved in the Corinthian church. And they had to start dividing and separating and arguing and fussing and stewing over who was the main man. Uh You see, Apollos was from Alexandria. So he was a well-versed in the arts of eloquence and speech. And he was quite renowned to be able to argue. So he loved to argue the word. (laughs) Wow. I got a few friends like that. I'm just not an arguer. I mean, I I can think of better things I'd rather do. Just blow bubble gum or anything, basically. Stand on your head and gargle peanut butter. It seemed more fun to me than just sitting around arguing with somebody. But Apollos was the type of man. And remember, whenever he first appears in the book of Acts, he was very ignorant, but he was teachable. You see, Apollos, whenever Aquila and Priscilla heard him preaching, and they heard this man preaching, and he was just preaching about, you know, the early doctrinal things of the converging of the Old Testament to the New, and they went to him and said, Brother, have you heard there's more truth? And well, no, no, I haven't heard anything. Well, what are you preaching? Well, he's preaching about John the Baptist. Well, the move of God had done moved on. And he was preaching and proving by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ, but he hadn't heard about the Holy Ghost yet. So this man was preaching truth but he hadn't got the Holy Ghost yet. But this man, even though he had a brilliant mind and eloquent speech, he was still a teachable preacher. Wow, that is a miracle. If you can find a teachable preacher, I'll tell you one thing, you ought to just stand there and marvel about it. Wow, I have today seen a miracle. A preacher that ain't a know-it-all. Well, them that know it all don't know much at all. They're not know it alls or not much at alls. 
So Apollos was able to be trained and taught. Well, he went on and on and he first starts out preaching them in Ephesus and then he comes down and the, the Ephesian believers, now this is the way the apostolic church did. It's not the way we did, but it's the way the apostolic Bible-based church did. You see, whenever they heard of preachers, they didn't just invite them to come over, but they had recommendation from other churches. And if the home church didn't use them, then none of the rest of the churches would either because they figured the home church knew something about that guy so they basically took his word for it. So there was preachers going everywhere, so they did not allow them to go from one church to another and another, but it's like they had close communion, so it's not like Apollos could just call somebody up on the phone, you know, or text them or send them an email, whatever, and be able to say, hey, I wanna come over to y'all's church. He went by the recommendation. You say, Brother Donnie, are you telling me the truth? I most certainly am. As a matter of fact, I'm fixing to tell you another truth that the Bible says that the church sent out Paul and his helper to be able to go witness. Can you imagine a prophet of God would not go out, out from under the care of the church until the church sent him? Now this is your Bible. Do we believe it or not? I said, do we believe the Bible or not? So here comes this great speaker now, Paulus. Well, he goes to Corinth. And when he gets there, remember Hellenistic Jews, Greeks, great people of the mind, Plato, Socrates. This is from some of the stuff that this man actually studied. You imagine he got up there and maybe drug back a little bit of old Socrates and quoted a little bit of Plato and quoted a little bit of that. And boy, them Hellenistic Jews. And them Corinthian Greeks said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Man, I thought I enjoyed Paul. Wow. Why, Paul can't hold Apollos alight. My goodness, what a preacher. And they just swoon after him. What are we doing worshiping any man? I don't care if he's a prophet. I don't care if he's a pastor. I don't care if he's a teacher. We ought to worship one being, and that's the Lord Jesus. So you see, I was an eloquent man, a man that could really speak well. You could see why the learned would lean toward that man, because he would stand there. Now, the man was anointed. He wasn't just standing up saying words, but he was really anointed. But that apparently wasn't what they heard. This was not the message Apollos preached. Paul never preached that they was to divide. But don't you see? This is what the Lord Jesus said about the church, and it was something that was so dear to him. It proceeded forth from his own heart. And Satan looked at it and said, I want it. If he loves it that much, I want it. And if I can't get it, I'll divide it. I'll split it. And there ain't nothing better to split it with than Paul and Apollos. I'll give everybody a dollar piece that'll say amen every 15 words after church. <laughs> if I run out of dollars, I'll write an IOU. Oh, now you can imagine the wealthy. A lot of wealthy folks went to the Corinthian church. So the wealthy, the intellectual, they heard Apollos, and they were just overwhelmed. 
So here this started amongst them in the church then. So Peter, you see, Paul dealt with this action, 1 Corinthians, in the first chapter as well. We'll read here momentarily. But Peter also became a divisive figure in the New Testament church. Now look what, look what Satan did. So God was using all of these men, and Satan wanted to use the same men, but he wasn't using them themselves, but he was using the people to manipulate them. Now, Peter never preached what the people said, neither did Apollos, neither did Paul, but the people are using these gifted men to try to divide the body by it. So Peter, more so, was traditionally lined with the Jewish Christians. You can imagine now some of them that were still having a hard time dying to the Jewish ways and Jewish traditions. They'd say, I love old Peter, man, I'll tell you. That's, that's my man right there, that old boy. Because he's Jewish? Oh, no, that ain't the only reason now. Uh-huh, it's like some of them white racist people in the mess. Well, I just, I just prefer white preachers. And you got some that's as black and they're as racist as the white are. Well, I, I, I just prefer black. You ought to prefer an anointed servant of God if he's pink. If he's blue or green. Of course, they didn't want to depart from their Jewish heritage, so I vote for Peter. Oh, you didn't know? I didn't tell you, did I? Oh, I'm so sorry. We're voting tonight. We're voting for who's your hero. Who's your hero? Is it Brother Tim Pruitt? Brother Wayne Lawson, Brother Andrew Glover, maybe Brother Ron Spencer, maybe Brother Darrell. Well, I say if your hero is any of the above, shame on every one of you. Your hero ought to be Jesus Christ. I love Brother Tim, but he never died for me. I love Brother Ron, but he never died for me. I love Brother Darrell, but he never died for me. There's only one that died and rose again, and that's the Lord Jesus. Are God using those men mightily? But I refuse for the devil to pull us into camps and tell us we cannot associate with this church or that church because of this, that, the other. I'm not going to be told. I'm not going to be controlled by a denominational spirit around this message. Now, of course, Paul, Paul made himself to everyone so Paul could humble himself. He could fellowship with the Jews. He could eat with the Gentiles. He could get out there and, you know, just be around the Gentiles and be one of them. And so no doubt the Gentiles preferred Paul. <laughs> yeah. So the people are quarreling. Now, this is according to history. They would quarrel. And they would shout at one another. And what was they shouting about? I'm a Peter. Peter. He denied the Lord. What have you ever heard of Paulus? I'm telling you what. He could put Peter in a box. Why Peter couldn't even compare. And maybe he couldn't to his eloquence. But God used Peter. It didn't mean Peter was out of it because he was ignorant and unlearned. 
prophet said he couldn't even read his own name in boxcar letters. That's pretty dumb, if you ask me. But the Lord Jesus handed him the keys to the kingdom one day. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my. Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Friends, can't you see what Satan wants to do? What he's wanted to do in the first century? Do you think our message is going to be different from this? Our church is going to be different from this? Oh, people say, oh, we want to be like the book of Acts. Are we sure? This is what happened in the book of Acts. Wasn't all shouting. It wasn't all miracles. There was battles. There was trouble. There was division. There was contention. So we can't just shout miracles. We've got to preach war. Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. I beseech you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That y'all speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you. But that you be perfectly joined together. In the same mind. And in the same judgment, notice, not opinion, the same judgment, how it must break our Lord's heart, as we would say. When people will judge matters and situations based upon friendships or family ties instead of using God's word as the rule book. So you laid out this certain, certain scenario, such and such and such and such and so and so, and say, now that was your friend that did that. Oh, well, now, 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 now. But lay out that scenario to somebody they don't like in the church. Glory to God. Let's tar and feather them. Hallelujah to God. We'll bring the judgment of God. I'll bring up the wheelbarrow and we'll all get rocks and we'll stone them until they're dead. Unless it's your best buddy or somebody in your family. Do you know by having respect to persons, the Bible calls that sin, S-I-N. That's the New Testament. Like smoking, drinking, running around. Oh, some of you would never smoke a cigarette. You would never, sister, some of you would never cut your hair. But when you have respect to persons, it is sin. What does respect to persons mean? That you take a situation and you judge it differently because it's somebody in your family. Well, praise the Lord. I've been saying I need a sabbatical. Y'all about to agree with me now, ain't you going to give me one? (laughs) For it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe. I always felt sorry for Sister Chloe. Not Sister Chloe Ball, but this Sister Chloe here. Bless her heart. Can you imagine the only time, one of the very few times her name is mentioned in the Bible, and it's identified with somebody letting the prophet of God know there's something going on. One thing I love about Paul was Paul didn't act like he's spiritual, but Paul had no problem telling him, look, somebody told me this, and it needs to be dealt with, and I'm going to deal with it. Now, some of you all wouldn't consider that spiritual. Lord Jesus, what are you trying to do, get me fired? I'm too old to start working at McDonald's. (laughs) By them of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you, strife, debate, variance, wrangling. Now this, I say that every one of you says, I am of Paul. And I of Apollos, And I of Cephas, 
and listen to the most deceiving group, an eye of Christ. So three groups picked out preachers. The last group said, them bunch of knotheads, that's their problem. The reason they're so messed up, they believe in preachers. So we don't choose no preacher. We're going straight to Christ ourselves. We don't need preachers. I'm of Christ. I don't need no pastor. Goats don't. But sheep do. Dear Jesus, Brother Donnie, what did you eat for breakfast this morning? A Bojangles biscuit with country ham. It wasn't quinine. I didn't get up on the wrong side of the bed neither. Now watch Paul said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified? Notice how Paul took this. He took this as such a slap in his face. The way they were saying it, it was putting men on the level of deity. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Oh my. But listen to the master builder now as we go back to chapter three. He says now about Paulus and about himself. He said, so then neither is he that planteth anything. Neither he that watereth. So Paul said, I planted. He was the head sower in the Ephesian church age, brother Jack. Others come behind him, sure, sowing along with him. Paul identified himself as the head planter. Apollos come around with the spirit of God. Did he have water? Yep, according to what Paul said he did. So when just intellect, even though he's brilliant. But Apollos watered what Paul planted. But I want you to notice how Paul divides this. But God that giveth the increase. So what were Paul and what were Apollos? Simply instruments. But it was God that gave the increase. Let me just tell you my vision for our church, okay? I'm not interested in us going around and trying to proselyte members. I'm not interested in us trying to contact members from other message churches and proselyte them to our church. You see, you don't have to proselyte just by mouth. You can use your influence and not say a word. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not interested in filling our church with everything in the world just so we can say we got a church full. I want God to give the increase. And the way I look at it, God don't steal from one man and give to another and say God's increasing. So Brother Rob, would you be okay with somebody stealing your wife? And then you saw that man the next day and said, glory to God. The Lord has blessed me with such a wonderful woman. I tell you what, I don't deserve her, but it's the blessing of the Lord. Brother Rob, as calm and gentle as he can be, I can see him removing that man's front teeth. That is not a blessing from God. 
Look, friends, invite folks to church. Yes, invite the lost. I ain't just wanting to get somebody else's sheep in here. Let's reach out to the backsliders. Let's reach out to those that may not know what we're talking about. Let them see that we've got something in our heart. We've just got a new building. We've got a mighty God. We've got a resurrected Christ. We've got a message of the hour that can save their souls and deliver them. Now he that planteth and he that waters are one. And you all that's trying to divide us and separate us, this is what Paul's getting at. It wasn't Apollos. It wasn't Paul. It was them people. It shows you how, how sheep can be. Sheep can get involved in some of the dumbest stuff ever was and think they're in the will of God. No doubt they felt like they was benefiting the kingdom. They were tearing it apart. People were going to the same church and wouldn't even speak to one another. You imagine them standing out in the vestibule in the foyer before church and the Paul group was over there and the Cephas group was over there and the Apollos group was over there and the Christ group was home. <laughs> Plan a tape. Dear Jesus, Brother Jack, take my advice, buddy. Don't answer your email for the next six weeks. <laughs> and no doubt they all thought this, right? Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. The Lord's blessing us. I pull somebody from the Cephas group over to the Apollos group. Well, praise the Lord. I brought somebody from the Apollos group over to the Paul group. I think we need to get them all to the real baptism of the Holy Ghost group. Well, we can get them filled with the Spirit of God. Then we'll lay aside jealousy and we'll lay aside parties. Don't you understand what this is? It's politics in the church. Well, if y'all able, you can stand. I don't blame you. If I, was, if I was that beat up that bad, I probably couldn't clap very much either. <laughs> oh, listen to this. He that planteth and he that waters are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we, oh, I tell you what, I, 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 just, about, I just about had myself a spell yesterday when I found this. We are laborers together. With God. Now I want you to notice how Paul puts this. He's identifying the preachers. Who's he just talking about? Preachers. For we are laborers. Synergos. Helper. Fellow workers. Companion in labor. Lord children, what an honor. To be called a labor with God. Well, if you want to know if a man is a labor of God or not, see if he's doing what God's doing. God building up the church, he's tearing it down. Well, guess what? He ain't labor with God. He's working for the devil. God trying to make the church holy, he's telling them don't matter whatever's how they dress. They can do whatever they want to do. He ain't working for God. 
the devil strips the women off in the Laodicean age, not God. God clothes them. Praise the Lord. That's easy. Just judge and see what the man's doing. We are laborers together with God. But now notice he says we, but he uses another word here to identify you. Ye are God's husbandry. Wow. So we are laborers together with God. And ye are God's husbandry. And the word husbandry is tilled soil. So you are God's plowed Garden of Eden. And the laborers with God are the God-called ministers that have got the seed. Nothing's got a watering can. Nothing's got a hoe. He's going around chopping and pulling this out. So here comes all these preachers, and they're coming behind God. and say, God, are we doing okay? God, are you all right with this? this I said, come on, boys. Come on. I'm going to plant all this seed out here. Come on. Come on, the main sower now. Billy Graham doesn't sow the world down. Old Robert sowed it down. And Elijah sowed the evening seed. Then what God do? God calls some laborers that'll come behind. Ain't no wonder the devil's trying to take men of God out of the pulpit and tell them play tapes only. That's a lying devil right out of the pits of hell. Yeah, you heard me say it, and I didn't stutter nor stammer when I say it, and I'll say it again and again and again. It's anointed of the devil. It's of the Bible for God called men to preach the gospel. If God wanted tapes played in the church, he could have invented the tape player 2,000 years ago, and they could have played tapes for 2,000 years, but God called men to preach the gospel. He called men to preach the gospel. Brother Branham never laid hands on tape players. He laid hands on men, Men, men to preach the gospel. Notice how this runs together. Oh my goodness, it is so beautiful. For we are laborers together with God and ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. So we're laborers together with him. Now notice Jesus himself here in Mark 16, 20, whenever Jesus had told the disciples to do this, they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them. Lord God have mercy. The Lord. So we're working with God and God's working with us. (laughs) Sounds like a team to me. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. And that's not abortion signs standing outside of an abortion clinic. It's casting out devils, healing the sick. Miraculous power of God. We then, 2 Corinthians 6, 1, we then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. There's no higher honor that can be given to a preacher, a God-called man, than to be working alongside God. Wow. So if I was you, I'd make sure the preacher I sat under was working with God, not against him. 
Oh, you can do whatever you want to do. God, don't look at the outside. Oh, that, that old boy ain't working with God. Mm-mm. He's working against him. Come on now, don't get quiet on me. What an honor to be working with God. I count it an honor just to work with the men of God. Wow, what an honor. Some of the greatest men of God that have lived in this age are my friends and my buddies. I don't just call them friend. They call me friend. I could call Ronald Reagan a friend. I could call some famous quarterback a friend or come. But that'd be quite different if he called me a friend, wouldn't it? It's a great honor to work alongside these brothers. But that kind of just diminishes in size. And I look up here in front of us and I say, who's that up there? Oh, that's God. This is God's field. This is God's place. Ye are God's tilled field. You are God's plowed garden of Eden. I'm just called along to chop out the weeds. A little bitterness, grab a hold of you, and I'm in there to kind of grab it out. Or you say, well, if you'd grab it that easy, well, if some of y'all didn't have it so deep, I could do it that way. <laughs> some of y'all got it so deep, now I got it. <laughs> but if that's what I got to do, when I step in them gates that day and I grab a hold of Carol and we walk through there, I want to look back through there and see you all coming right behind me. I want to see you all stand around there and say, we're trusting, Brother Donnie. We're trusting you preach what that prophet said. I want to stand there and present it there and he'll say, I preach what Paul said. And Paul will say, I preach what Jesus said. And he'll say, come on in, family of God. Come on in, family of God. Look at what I've made for you. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, Lord, what an honor. What an honor to be in the field with my brothers. Lord, if I live this year, I'll be privileged to stand and preach with conventions and meetings. Lord, with some of the greatest men of God alive. And I count that such an honor. And many meetings I won't be able to make because I've got so many invitations from around the world of men of God just as great a quality. But I can't take them all. But oh Lord, when I found this and got to looking at it, I thought, oh my goodness. The honor that I share when I sit in these brothers' office or share with them on the field, evangelists or whatever they are, and I feel so honored to preach with them. But it pales in comparison when I look at who made the field. Hallelujah. Who built this church? Who started this messianic move? Thank you, Father, for letting us be a part of it. Over a little part, we may not do a whole lot in comparison to others. But what we want to do is what you've given us. We don't want to hide our talent and say, well, I've only got one, so I'm ashamed to use it. No, if we've only got one, we want to use that talent with all of our heart. Be faithful and true. I can't preach like some of these brothers. 
I can't sing like them. I can't sing like some of the singers in our church. My goodness, I listen, I think, wow, we are so blessed to have such singers and such musicians and such talented people. We thank you for that. Lord, we know it helps us as we're out here laboring and journeying. We sing the songs of Zion, and it raises our spirit. You've given us governments, helps, all these different things in the body. Each one of them have a position. Help us, Father. Some of them may think, oh, I've never done nothing. All I do is pray for Brother Donnie and pray for Brother Darrell. I wake up sometimes in the night, and I'll pray for these other brothers going out to preach. They think that ain't nothing. They may not know when they wake up and I'm on their heart. I may have been laying there for three or four hours battling off as battle ever was. Not even shut my eyes yet to sleep and I'm wore out. And yet you wake them up out of a good sleep and lay me on their heart because I need help. I need somebody praying for me. And they think they don't do nothing. Oh, Jesus Help us to find our slot. Help us to be faithful. If we don't do any more than give a disciple a cup of water, in your name, what a great thing we have done. We love you, Father. Men, women, boys, girls, we want to find our position in the body of Christ and be in divine harmony, Lord. We love you tonight, Jesus. With every head bowed, I wonder how many here tonight you say, Brother Donnie, that's, that's my desire. I want to be what God wants me to be. I don't want to be great necessarily. I'm not asking even necessarily to be known. I'm not asking to be famous. I just want to be what He wants me to be. If it pleases Him, that's all that really matters. Oh, praise the Lord. We worship you tonight, Lord God. Father, we have already had our own little private dedication service. And in July, we'll have our dedication services, but we've already had our own, really. But we don't want to just dedicate so much this building. We want to dedicate this building. We want to have a recommitment to you, Father, that we can be the temple of God, the house of God the sanctuary of God. Lord, if you can take me, I'm getting pretty old. If I live to July the 9th, I'll be 67. I've been preaching since I was 18, so almost 50 years of my life, pastoring 40. I don't know how much more I've got, but whatever I've got left, I'll give you. I may get feeble, And I may get to where I can't remember scriptures and quotes as well. But I pray I'll be as faithful as I can be till the last breath leaves my body. Oh, Jesus. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Sing it to him now. Sing it to him with all your hearts. With thanksgiving. What are you going to be? I'll be a living, a living, 
just lay hands on the sick, Lord. Lord God, we don't want to just speak and devils have to turn people loose, but we want to love like you. We want to forgive like you. We want to restore like you. Those that sin against us, Father, we want to be able to forgive them the way you do. That's what I want to see about you in my life. I've seen miracles since I was a young preacher, and I still see them. I've seen you do several just this week. Lord God, and I thank you for that. But what good would the miracles do if I can't love like you, if I can't forgive like you? Oh, Jesus, I do, but I want more. How many wants more tonight? More love, more of his mercy, more grace. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Baptize us not just in power, but baptize us in love. Baptize us, oh, Lord God, to where we can look around and what others may look and see, a fallen brother or a prostitute or somebody that seems there's no hope for us, but yet we see a son or a daughter of God that's hid in behind that darkness. Lord, I believe your prophet has told us that there's going to be a last gathering. It'll be for the sick and the lame and the halt before we go up. A third pool manifesting itself, Lord. Not us trying to manufacture. No, we've seen all that. We don't want that. We want to see you do what you do. We don't want to try to pump up. We don't want to try to jump up, shout it down, sing it down. We want to just be humble and let you use us, oh, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I give you my hands, I give you my mouth, I give you my heart, Lord. Hallelujah. How many would join with me tonight? You want to give him your hands? Want to give him your minds, your heart, your eyes? Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Sing something for us, Harry. You know, when Brother Bram was there in Shreveport, the last time he was in Shreveport, he preached those great services there, and it was a, a real somber type of service at Jack Moore's. I don't know if you know it or not, but after preaching Invisible Union, Jack Moore and the associate ministers went to Brother Bram's hotel room the next day, and they was going to shut him down. They weren't going to let him preach no more because of what he preached that night of Invisible Union. They kept knocking, 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 knocking on the hotel room door trying to get in but the man at the front desk had given him the wrong room number. So they kept knocking, knocking, going to tell him he couldn't preach. 
So he showed up and went ahead and preached. Well, I'm sure glad he did. But he had a service and it was real solemn and real somber. And he said, these are the types of services that we need to set in. Every time I hear that, I think, wow. So why would we need to set in that type of a service? Oh, I love the shouting and the rejoicing, but there's something about them somber, sober services that also minister to a need in our lives. And the church said, can we sing just a bit before we go? Sing something for us here. God bless you, saints. I love you in the Lord. I'll be preaching Sunday unless you all want otherwise except you. <laughs> if you want me to get find another job, send me on the side of the road tomorrow and I will preach for food. <laughs> God bless you. I love you. You'll love the Lord with all your heart. children with all of our hearts now. What a way to close out the service. We're nothing without you, Lord. Hallelujah. Take my voice. Take my voice, Lord. Pour it out. Let it sing the songs of mercy I have found. What are we? We are nothing. Or sing it, mean it now. I'm nothing, Lord. I can't walk without you. I can't live without you. Oh, hallelujah. Now with all of our hearts. And all my soul needs. Take my time here on this earth. Take my time. Whatever time I've got left, Lord. Here on earth. Let it glorify all that you are. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I am nothing. I am nothing without together everybody now Lord we made it father 
that we are nothing. Preachers, singers, musicians, we're nothing without him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Take my body. Oh, yes, Lord. Build it up. Build it up. Begin be broken as an, an offering of love. of love to you. To you, Lord. Because I am nothing. To you, Lord God. Lord, I, I am, am nothing, nothing without you. Oh, let's mean it now. Praise God. And all my soul. All my soul is all your love. Your love. Please, cover Please cover me, me to all the world. All the world Lord, can see that I am nothing without.
more than welcome to 